Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. I'm Sarah Wheeler, Editor-in-Chief at HW Media, here with the latest installment of the Housing Wire Daily Podcast, where our editors and reporters discuss the most compelling stories and sources they're covering. Today, my guest is James Kleiman, the Managing Editor of our Global Newsroom, to talk about the biggest stories we covered this week across all of our brands. Before we dive in, here's a word from our sponsor. Why should you price your jumbo loans with PennyMac TPO? Is it the same great service you've come to expect with their conventional loans? Yes. Is it the competitive pricing they provide? Yes. Is it the fact that after closing, they don't sell off your borrowers so that you know they are in good hands? That would also be a yes. Get more information or price a jumbo AUS loan today at tpo.pennymac.com. PennyMac TPO is a division of PennyMac Loan Services, LLC, Equal Housing Lender. In MLS ID number 35953. Loans not available in New York. Licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. Conditions and restrictions may apply. James, welcome back to the podcast. Hey, Sarah, good to be with you. Good to be with you. I usually talk to you on um, towards the end of the week so that we can recap, but so much is going on, and we're actually going to have uh, Matt Blake, our senior real estate reporter, on that day so that he can talk to us about crypto. He's actually at a crypto real estate conference, so we wanted to kind of get an update from that. It's going to be really fun. He just wrote that uh, really interesting NFT and real estate story for us, so um, looking forward to that. But in addition to that, we have so much to cover, so thanks for being on to, to go over all of it. Yeah, thanks for having me. So, of course, uh, one of the stories this week that that got lots of attention was uh, the layoffs at Better.com. Tell us a little bit about that. More layoffs at Better.com. Um, you know, I, I think pretty much everybody remembers um, what happened on December 1st, a, a day that will live in infamy for the, the employees of, of Better.com. It's, right. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's a story that's been covered by almost every media outlet uh in the U.S. And so I don't need to, to spend too much time uh, kind of rehashing what has already happened. But many people remember that Vishal Garg gets on a Zoom call with 900 employees and and says that, you know, he kind of makes it about himself. You know, he says that this is bad for him. He's, he's very unhappy about it, blah, blah, blah. And then he, he very kind of coolly says, like, yeah, you're all fired. <laughs> like everybody here on this call is done. Finito, you know, pack your stuff, get out of here. That's it. And um, and then he later tells the remaining employees that the workers who were laid off had stolen from them and, uh, you know, we're, we're not good workers and uh, you shouldn't feel bad. And they're they're just, you know, they're holding us back and and we're, we're looking to a bright future and, and you're a part of that. And um it, it and went, we should clarify, stolen from them, not in a, like, they stole money. No, not money. No, like they, they weren't working hard, yeah, stole, they stole time, time or something. They stole their, their ability to get ahead. You know, they, they were time thieves uh, of sorts, um, which is, you know, I think kind of crazy. And, I've, you know, I've, I've worked in a bunch of jobs. Like, I think most people who would be listening to this podcast, and there are usually, like, one or two people who don't always pull their weight, right? But the fact that you, you would assume that hundreds and hundreds of people at the company are just working two hours a day is hard to believe. Uh, but 
I don't run a a large company, and um, and and that's what happens. So you know, the fallout is immense, and it comes very quickly, and they very quickly develop a very bad reputation in the industry. And I think it matters a little bit less if you're just doing refis and people are making decisions about who to work with really based on rate, you know, and, and not so much based on reputation. And, um, and are, are they going to be able to come through when I have the biggest purchase of my life, you know, in the balance? Um, that's a totally different thought process that, that any consumer in America would probably have. And so, you know, December, January, people are fleeing from better. If they can find a better job, they are, you know, and and I think a lot of people knew that those layoffs weren't going to be the only layoffs that occurred. And sure enough, uh, yesterday, better announced that about 35% of their remaining workforce uh, give or take about 3,000 people, just over 3,000 people of their remaining 8,000 people at the company would be let go. And, um, you know, it's it's funny because you would think that Better would be extremely prepared, that they'd have every I dotted, every T crossed, knowing that the fallout that happened, you know, from, from the earlier round of layoffs. Um, instead, they kind of bungled this one too, Sarah. They they managed. It's, it's really hard to understand how this happens imagine. two times. So yeah, a lot of a lot of the laid off workers found out because their their company payments app alerted them to the fact that they had received a severance check. You don't receive a severance check if everything's going well. <laughs> you know, it's um it's it's a tough way to find out, and and a lot of the people took to LinkedIn and said, you know, I've, I've had a good time at Better. I've learned a lot. I value my coworkers. But the way they did this was really um, shocking in light of what happened previous. And, um, and, and I'm disappointed. Now, Better has said that they're going to be, you know, their executives are going to be calling people individually, um, which is going to take a really long time. I mean, they let 3,000 people go. So I guess clear your meeting schedule, Vishal, you know, for the next few weeks, if you're going to be individually calling people who, I imagine probably don't want to talk all that much about it, but that's just me. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's kind of a crazy story. You know, they, they cited the same reasons that pretty much everybody these days uh, will cite when they're, they're announcing layoffs to their mortgage workforce, which is there are major headwinds, you know, where we're, we need to right size. We need to, to shrink our operations to match the amount of business that is coming in. And and so that in and of itself is not unique, but you know, Better's position in the marketplace is a little bit different than a lot of the other lenders out there that are making you know similarly difficult decisions with with regards to the staff, you know. And, and so you, you can look at the mortgage industry as a whole and say, we know that it was about four trillion dollars in originations, you know, at the height of of the refi boom, and uh, that is obviously a very different climate in twenty twenty two and probably what, two, two and a half trillion. So you don't need that many workers. This is inevitable. But better, more than almost anyone out there, capitalized on that refi boom that simply will not exist in 2022, in 2023. Better is basically a direct-to-consumer lender for you know all of the programs and all the initiatives it has. That is how they make their money. That is how they make their loans. They are, for the most part, a refi mortgage lending shop that is digital, 
that is not reliant on, you know, LOs who've been in the business for 15, 20, 30 years, who have their own contacts and connections with, you know, financial planners and real estate agents and and whoever might be able to, to get them in front of the consumer first. Um, that's not how they're set up. And so better is probably, I think it's fair to say, um, poorly positioned in a market like this. Now they have a lot of money from SoftBank, but they've already been bleeding money over the last few quarters. The market conditions don't look any better for an operation like that. And it's hard to see how they can change their position in the market quickly enough to become a purchase focused mortgage lender. Unless they decide, I don't know, maybe, maybe they say, okay, we, we have all this money, you know, thank you, SoftBank. Thank you. We, we are so grateful that you have given us hundreds of millions of dollars and uh, we're going to go out there and we're just going to spend a crazy amount of money, you know, getting the best LOs, getting, getting, you know, we're, we're going to overspend. We're going to do what Compass did, you know, to, to real estate way back in the day. And, and we're going to give you better, you know, better packages. We're going to incentivize the heck out of, you know, top mortgage yellows in purchase. And, and that's how we're going to not just survive, but we're going to thrive, you know, but, but if they continue to do basically what they've been doing, which is, you know, generally speaking about 80, 20 refi to purchase when there was a lot more purchase business, um, you know, to be had because of inventory, um, that's not a recipe for success. It's, well, and it's, I, I think if they, you know, if the strategy, which obviously neither you nor I know for sure, but if the strategy is, well, we need to get these great LOs, again, their recent actions, you'd have to have a heck of a compensation package to be like, oh yeah, let me sign up for that because you treat people so well and uh, it will no doubt go well. I mean, to your point, like it's not the layoffs themselves. We all know those are coming, right? It's, it's how do you run this giant company and you do this twice where there's just this big fumble around something that's already going to be hard. It's no one wants to lay off. No one wants to be laid off. No one, you know, so it's all this reputational risk already, but especially if you're in a purchase market and I'm a consumer and I go, huh, what is better.com? And I, and I search it. Not great, not great optics, not what you want out there. In fact, I, I did that actually right before this podcast and one of their competitors, um, uh, on their headline is we didn't fire 900 employees uh, for another company like that. That's their headline. So you just go all the way around. It's not what they need right now. And, and just not smart to, to let something like that happen when they should be completely buttoned up. And and it's a twofold issue, right? Because if, if you look at both of the layoffs, I think there are a lot of people in the industry who can forgive ruthlessness and who will say, okay, the way you did it, not great. You know, I, I think that there are more tactful ways to handle uh, a decision like this and to not court such bad press. But people like that who will generally forgive some ruthlessness do not forgive incompetence, which is what we see in the second layoff. So either way, like, I, I don't know what, what is the talent pool, you know, who's, who's saying, okay, we're, we're going to work with better. And if you look at their existing staff, they're not positioned to compete for purchase business. Most of the LOs that, that are there, I'm sure they're nice, lovely people who are, you know, um, a, a lot of them probably have the potential to be really great LOs uh, over the course of their career, but 
the company's hiring model was getting people who don't have a lot of experience and paying them a good, not amazing salary. You know, it's, it's, you, you can certainly feed your family on seventy five, eighty thousand dollars a year. Um, but during the great years of 2020, 2021, you know, good LOs who had their own book of business would be making multiples of that, you know, and, and, these are generally speaking entrepreneurial people. And so they bet on themselves, you know, and, and better's whole thing is like, we, we have, we have a system that has been, uh, you know, perfected or maybe not perfected, but, but is, is strong enough where you don't need to have, you know, a, a business model is reliant on, on an entrepreneurial salesperson who can bring in business. We have, you know, technology, we have, we have, um, you know, we have people in the right places who, who know how to get the loan done. Um, but that that doesn't work for purchase historically. Maybe maybe they'll figure something out. Maybe they have, you know, some some great technology that they'll be able to roll out. Or maybe they've, you know, implemented some training programs that will enable some of those kind of front facing uh, people to work with real estate agents or consumers and, and really, um, you know, manage to to get to to get this over the line, but it's it's hard to see with their existing staff and you know their their position in the marketplace how they can make that work. But I'd love to hear if anybody has any feedback out there, you know, anyone who has some insight into Better's model and how they can transition to purchase, um, please share share those thoughts with me. I'm, I'm very curious to hear what you think. They, you know, the the CFO Kevin Ryan said that uh, our strongest days lie ahead. So. I'll leave that. <laughs> I'll leave that to, to hang in the air for a minute. <laughs> uh, we will definitely be keeping watch on that. Switching to another topic, but very related, um, because we are talking about competition in this mortgage in this purchase market, which is fierce and getting fiercer. Is um, one of the um, stories that we published this week was "Welcome to Walmart." Here's your here's your mortgage, which is still uh, one of my favorite headlines. I, I love uh, the headlines you come up with, James, and and that one is is great. Um, so tell us a little bit. We know that Walmart has had a bank in there. I mean, they've long. I, I don't know how many, maybe decades, had a bank in their yep. in their branches. So so what is new about this one? This this is interesting. To my knowledge, uh, Walmart, which has maybe not forever, but for a long time, had kind of, um, you know, specific retail segments within the stores, you know, the, the store within a store kind of model. Um, often you'll see like a Subway sandwich shop or a Starbucks or, you know, um, near, near my father in North Carolina, they have one, uh, you know, guy who sells eyeglasses, right? So so that in and of itself is not new. I have never seen, however, a, a mortgage lender uh, who has kind of a dedicated space within a Walmart, you know, big box store. And so on Monday, Lenders One Cooperative announced that they had struck a deal to lease uh, retail space in Walmart stores. And they'll be selling mortgage products and services. Uh, it, it looks like it's Purchase, Refi, and even a HELOC, which is interesting. And, uh, you know, they, they said that their mission is to improve the profitability for their members and, and enable them to better compete against larger, well-funded mortgage lenders. And, um, and, and I think this is really interesting. Walmart is a massive, massive store. And it is, it is also kind of a, you know, a, a really obvious way to get kind of brick and mortar retail to work for you. Um, it's probably 
from their perspective, a lot safer than their members just opening up, you know, bank branches where there used to be a CVS or, you know, there used to be a restaurant in any town USA and, and hoping that people um, kind of walk by. You're, you're dependent on so many other factors. I think it's fair to say that Walmart is always going to have, uh, you know, a, quite a bit of foot traffic. So for the moment, we know that Lenders One is going to have, uh, they, they have three leases already signed. I don't know where the stores are yet. We have, a, we have a call scheduled with them on Friday, so we'll have more details to share then. Uh, but they said that they're planning many more. And uh, it's, it's certainly an interesting uh, model. You know, there are some mortgage lenders out there who are kind of thinking um, in, in totally different uh, frameworks, you know, going entirely digital or, um, you know, doing call center models and, and having just less of a distributed retail model. And then, you know, there, there's... Uh, lenders one, which is like, you know what, we're, we're just, we're going to do a big box store. We know there are people there. We know, you know, a percentage of those people will at one point need to refi, or maybe they need to purchase mortgage. You know, they're, they've been thinking about it and they, they see, they see us by the checkout line, uh, as, as we're, you know, walking away with, I don't know, hunting rifle, Cheez-Its and, you know, and a, <laughs> and a moving chair. And, um, and they say, well, gosh darn it, you know, I, I've been meaning to, you know, to, to at least look at the rates and see what's going on. And and there you have it. So, uh, but I'm really, really curious to see kind of how the deal is structured. Uh, there is another big box store that does have uh, a semi-similar model from what I can tell, which is uh, Costco. And uh, I don't know if Costco is all over the country, but uh, there are a few around here uh, where I am in, in New York. And... Um, they're amazing. I, I love Costco. I, I think it's, I, would I ever get a mortgage from a Costco? Like probably not, like almost certainly not, but um, I appreciate the fact that it's there. And, and what they do is they, they team up with a uh, cross country. It used to be, I, I believe it used to be um, Costco's own mortgage lender an affiliated lender. And it got bought by cross country. Regardless, um, they, they have their own system set up where we're basically like it, it limits, you know, the origination fees and, and some of the, the padding that a lot of retail lenders do put into um, mortgages so that it's, it's a good deal for the customer, uh, assuming that they get someone competent and, um, you know, that the loan can be executed uh, under 450 million days, which uh, would be my fear <laughs> if, if I were there. Well, you know, I, I think both of these are genius because, uh, okay, so say I don't say I don't necessarily, you know, need it right away, but just from foot traffic alone, to your point, how many other places do I actually go in on a regular basis? The grocery store is one of them. Now, of course, people get their groceries delivered. I get groceries delivered, but still, you still always need something. You got to go through there. And so just from the optics of like, in, you know, oh, it's in, it's there, it's there, it's there. And then, you know, so from my perspective, that's really smart. Um, I went into um, our bank branch, which will remain anonymous, but a big bank branch not too long ago, they did not have anyone who could open an account for me. Um, they did not have anyone I could talk to about a mortgage. I actually, I, I made a point to go into a bank branch, which is not in any any of my daily activities, right? To do these very things, and then there was no one there to help me. So you go, you know, at some point, you know, here here's foot traffic coming to you. If you have something, somebody there available, that's got to be better than you know uh, the bank the branch model. Sometimes it it's just like you have to go out of your way to go there. Yeah, I, I have a local big. 
big bank near me. And, and um, you know, we, we go in there on occasion just to get money out to, to pay the cleaning lady or, or God, sometimes I need a check, a physical check. And I'm like, oh my God, like who, do you not have Zelle? Right? Do you not have Venmo? <laughs> do you not have, you know, some, some easier way of processing this? And uh, when I went in there, you know, they have a little office to the side and that is theoretically speaking where the mortgage loan officer should be. And, and they're never there. I have never seen a, a mortgage officer at, and again, this is one of the three biggest banks in the country. Never seen him. If I went to Walmart, you know, I don't have a Walmart that's near me, but like, let's say I went into one. Even if I didn't get a mortgage, the fact that I'm seeing that brand so frequently is is almost like it's it might have its own reward, right? How many people know of Rocket Mortgage, not because they have a mortgage for them, but just because they see it because they watch the same, you know, television show or sporting event or whatever. It's it's exposure, right? And and I, I don't know if most consumers are even sophisticated enough to know what would make one mortgage lender better than another anyway, right? Like so much of this really is about marketing and and about giving a consumer a reliable uh, you know, experience. Um, that they they don't feel crappy about, <laughs> not not even good about it necessarily, right? Like, but not bad about. And um and and half the battle is just getting in front of them. You know, how how would my neighbor next door know about any of the four thousand mortgage lenders that there are in America? Either through TV, their local bank branch, or maybe I don't know, like an ad that tracks them through, you know, through through them browsing on their computer. I, how else would they know? This could be a way. No, I, I totally agree with you. That, that's what I think. Just that foot traffic alone. Um, and then maybe they're like, oh, I don't really want to do this like with my hunting rifle and cheeses, but I'm going to go online and find them. Or I know I could go in there next time. I'll make a, an appointment. But like, I, I already, that's already on my traffic pattern. I'm already in there. And I think that's, that's what's interesting about this to me. Now, you do have to say that sometimes different retail, big box retail experiences are less than pleasant. And so you go by aligning yourself with the big box retail for us. You know, um, for instance, you know, there, back when I was uh, a, a mom of four kids at home, you know, going going to Walmart versus going to Target, for instance, you know, well, which one is more pleasant, whatever different retailers have different uh, strengths. And so you have to make sure that, you know, the overall experience is good. But to me, I, I think that there's I think that's going to be really interesting to see. The other thing I wonder is, you know, what kind of products do they have or do they have a big product mix that can, you know, I mean, you're talking about a giant, um, you know, consumer population that comes through there. So do you have non-QM loans? Do you have a lot of different product mix or is it kind of vanilla 30 year fix? Yeah. And, and to your point, like what kind of service do they get when they go there as well? You know, are there are some wonders that that kind of make their name on, on providing good, consistent service. If you are, you know, hoping that people walk into your place from a Walmart, like, I don't know if that attracts the same type of hello or that kind of white glove service. If it's just like, you know, anybody else who would otherwise work at like a sunglass hut, if those even exist anymore, I don't know. Maybe the pandemic killed all the sunglasses. <laughs> sunglass hat. I love it. Well, again, though, we applaud the fact that they are thinking outside the box or inside the big box. You I want to say that. Um, like that. It'll be interesting to see. <laughs> um, in other news this week, so, you know, mortgage rates continue to continue last week to fall. I wonder what we're, we're looking at this week. This uh, we're, we're recording this on Wednesday. Of course, we'll know what the uh, Freddie survey says um, on Thursday when this goes live. So it'll be interesting. But, you know, from all we can see, we have seen, you know, mortgage rates continue to fall with the um, what's going on in Russia. Um, we saw mortgage applications being affected by that this week. You want to talk a little bit about that story? Yeah. So we, we did see a little bit of a, uh, 
I don't know if I'd say a departure. You know, I think it's it's just sort of the roller coaster that you're seeing with rates because there's just there's so many different factors and, and so many competing issues right now. And um, you know, the the bond market is is sort of this, you know, kind of crazy, um, un, uncontrollable uh, force that, that I don't fully understand, of course. I'm not, I'm not sure how many people really do. Uh, but yeah, so, you know, we, we did see um, quite a bit of a jump in mortgage applications. And if, if you ask the people who are, uh, you know, studying this professionally, the the economists at the MBA and, and similar uh, places, they'll, they'll tell you that this really coincides with, you know, the war in Ukraine, which spurred an investor flight to quality. And that, of course, pushes the U.S. Treasury yields lower. And then from there, you have mortgage rates that decline for the first time. And I think it was like three months. Right. And so so the trade group estimated that the average 30 year fixed rate mortgage for conforming loans dropped from, I think it was from 4.15% to 4.09%. And um, it dropped even bigger for jumbo mortgage loans, which I, I think you're going to see a lot more of just given that home prices are so crazy right now. And, and those are not declining, to, to be clear about that. Um, you know, I, I think they they jumped or, or they dropped rather like 11, 10, 10 basis points, something like that. So it's it's going to be interesting to to see how, how this progresses. You know, I I, I think the potential for higher inflation and the kind of the, the dueling issue of disruptions in oil and, and commodity flows are are probably going to mean that there's a lot of volatility in rates in general. And so we're going to have periods in which we see, you know, rates, rates drop and then rates go back up and up and down and up and down. And uh, people may get nausea before this is over in, in many ways. So it's, it's going to be it's going to be kind of a crazy ride, I think, over the next few months. That totally makes sense. Um, what are you looking forward to that's coming out? I know our reporters are working on some really interesting stories right now. We have a piece that we are working on this week, which is a, a follow-up to UWM's Appraisal Direct program. Um, you guys may remember they announced back in, I want to say it was September, or September, October, or sometime in the fall, that they were basically going to create their own AMC because they, they had so many problems with, uh, you know, closing times being delayed and AMC's just not um, being able to, to get the appraisal done on time. And, you know, appraisers themselves have, have not a lot of love for the AMCs. So for the most part, you know, people have been pretty happy about UWM's program. There, there are a little, you know, uh, there are some complaints here and there, of course, which I think is um, expected for any new program that is, is intended to disrupt, you know, like a cottage industry that has really kind of been, been spawned out of just, a, you know, Dodd-Frank and the need to have a firewall between the lender. And, uh, and so we'll have a story about that coming next week. I'm really excited about that. We have a piece that will be dropping probably tomorrow, maybe on Friday, that looks at uh, the mortgage industry's uh, susceptibility to cyber attacks from Russia. Uh, and um, and we have a, a follow-up from uh, Matt Blake on what's going on with uh, with crypto and real estate. We, we did the story on, on NFTs, of course. 
on, uh, I want to say it was Monday. It's only Wednesday and, and the week is already flying by me. So uh, we've, we've got a lot of good stuff. And then the big one that, I, that I'm really happy about that, that I think is going to be uh, of great interest to our readers and, uh, and, and hopefully people who aren't readers yet uh, will be uh, a deep dive into who is best positioned and worse positioned when the market is uh, totally purchase, not totally, but, you know, two thirds purchase kind of, you know, back to, you know, the, the return to 2018, 2019 days. Um, and so we're, we're looking at, you know, who, who did best in the third and fourth quarter when things started to move a little bit away from refis, when mortgage rates really started to jump. And then just operationally, who set up, you know, to, to take advantage of a market like this. And, uh, and we'll, we'll have a story on that hopefully sometime next week. So I'm looking forward to all of these stories, of course. Boy, me too. Um, I love that last one, especially because um, it's something that we really pay attention to. And we've done that kind of deep dive on the realtor side. Like, you know, there's these different models there's so-called disruptive models. There's this, you know, what works best there. And so really excited to see, especially in this changing market, what what we think, what our analysis is on on who might be best set up to, to succeed. So really looking forward to all those stories. And for our listeners who don't know, um, James is one of the authors of our Lending Life newsletter that comes out four times a week. That is specifically for loan officers and other originators. And so if you're not on that, you are missing out. You need to get those insights um, that James and our other staff provide. But James, thank you so much for being on. Thanks very much, Sarah. Looking for more insight into what will happen in 2022? Or maybe you need more information on what in the world is happening with the federal regulators. Or you could just be looking for information on how to stay competitive as the industry shifts to a purchase-focused market. Our HW Plus Premium Membership comes with all of this insight and more. With your HW Plus Membership, you'll get at least five HW Plus articles a week that dive deeper into the daily news to help you confidently make business decisions. To join, go to housingwire.com forward slash membership. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight. 